Let's dive in and see what this first number represents. The number 99 represents us. It represents the found. Now, some of you might already be ahead of me on this, and you saw this one coming. But over the next several weeks, anytime I bring up the number 99, when I say the 99, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about those who are already here, those of us who know Jesus, right? The ones who already, if, if we were to pass from this life today and stand in front of Jesus face to face, he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. In Luke chapter 15, we're introduced to this concept. In verse 1, Jesus said this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Uh, actually, Luke said this about Jesus, and, and Jesus told this story. Um, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them, right? And so Jesus told this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he f has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are one of the 99. You're already in the fold. You're not lost. You are found. And it's not that God doesn't care about you. I know I I've read this before and I think, man, God feels more passionately about that one person than he does me. And then I, I remind myself of what Jesus talked about in the story of the prodigal son. Remember that story and, and how the prodigal, when he came home, the older brother was a little bit ticked off because the, uh, the father was so uh, excited about him coming home through the big old party. And, and I can resonate with that sometimes because I think sometimes we look at this 99 and we think, man, God is more concerned over the one than he is the 99. And it's not that he's more, con well, he's concerned. And I don't know if it's more concerned, but it's more that he knows that if that one were to pass, he's lost, right? And so he looks at us, the 99, and he says, Let's not, you're already in the fold. You're, you're already here, right? You are the 99. You need to go after uh, the one. And so when we read about this in the parable of the lost sheep, and it's one of three. If you look at Luke 15, the, the, the stories are very similar, and Jesus tells three of them, and he uses them to challenge the attitudes of the religious leaders. And that's where we have to be careful, too, as the 99, right? We have to make sure that we're not here and we just think we're all together and we've got everything, you know, going and everything's just wonderful and we can just forget about all those people and we've got all our ducks in a row and, and, and the rest of the people out there just don't really matter all that much. And that's how the religious leaders were. So we've got to be careful not to fall into that trap. But in Luke 15, we, we see that God cares about the lost very, very deeply. And he uses these three stories to challenge the attitudes of those who are already, quote unquote, found or those who are already in the 99. And so Jesus, right, he's telling these stories 
Because these religious leaders, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, there's no way he can be the Messiah, there's no way he can be the Son of God. I mean, look at him. He's eating with tax collectors, right? He's hanging out with immoral people. He's hanging out with the riffraff of society. And as they're complaining about Jesus doing this, I can't help but think they're doing this because there's a tinge of jealousy in them. They're thinking, all right, if this guy is who he says he's supposed to be, why isn't he hanging out with us? I mean, we're the ones that have got our act together. We're the religious ones. We're the ones who are already in the 99. So not only was Jesus not paying attention to the religious leaders, he's hanging out with the riffraff of society. And so this gets them all worked up. This gets the Pharisees, this gets the scribes, gets the Sadducees, all of them, they're all worked up. And so in Luke 15, Jesus tells these three stories about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son to address the situation. And it's interesting, as we look at this, there's this progression of numbers, right? There were hundreds sheep, there were ten coins, there were two sons, and in each one of those parables that he tells, one that was not a part of that other group is lost. One out of the hundred is lost, right? One out of the ten coins, lost. One of the sons is lost. And in each of these parables, we read that that which was lost is eventually found. And so that which was lost, it represents the tax collectors. It represents the sinners, the riffraff that Jesus was, was hanging out with. That's who Jesus was going after. He was teaching those people. But we read in each of these stories that that which was not lost remained. And so this represented the Pharisees and the religious leaders, okay? And so the emphasis on this parable is like, listen, guys, you think you've got your act together. You think you're all that. But listen, there's someone out here right now that I care so compassionately about. I'm going after him. I'm going after that lost person. That's what Jesus did when he came from heaven in the first place. And so we read these parables and we see that Jesus, in this first parable, he's the shepherd. And then in the second parable, he represents the woman looking for the coin. And then the third represents the father. And in each story, you know what happens whenever the 99 are kind of left to themselves for a little while and he goes after and he finds the one? You know what happens? There's a big old party. There's rejoicing. The person who had lost something who then found it is excited. Have you ever done that? You ever lost something and then found it? You ever lost something and then find out like maybe it's in your pocket and on the top of your head? Like you're, anybody with me on that or is it just me, right? We do that kind of stuff all the time. We just get so excited whenever we find what we, or we really kick ourselves and we go like, boy, how stupid can we be? But God rejoices, genuinely rejoices. There's a big old party in heaven when one person who was lost comes home. And he's telling this to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would know this because they knew Psalm 23 by heart, right? They could quote it, the Lord is my shepherd. So they knew what he was talking about. And as they look through the Old Testament, they see that Jesus was full of, or God was full of compassion, right? And they didn't realize, or, you know, they're, they're looking at this, and, and they didn't realize that the great shepherd was standing right in front of them. And so when Jesus is saying, talking about the shepherd, like I'm here I'm the you know I'm the I am the shepherd and so this caught the attention of the religious leaders and so Jesus is telling the story about the shepherd he says he's missing one of his sheep and domestic 
Sheep are incredibly dependent animals who could not survive in the wild on their own. The fact that there was one sheep who was alone in the desert told these religious leaders that this one sheep is going to die if they don't return to the shepherd. You think about a sheep, right? They're not very, I, I talked about this a little while back, they're not exactly imposing figures. You, know, you don't see high schools and colleges having team mascots as the fighting sheep, right? Because sheep are not a very intimidating intimidating bunch of, of animals. And so they're out, this one sheep is out in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, and there's wild animals to contend with, and, and the food was sparse, and there's intense heat in the day, and it's cold at night. And, and sheep, domestic sheep, they're very nearsighted, and they've got itty bitty little short tiny legs for their body, okay? And so they can't see danger because they're nearsighted. They can't run from danger because they've got itty bitty little legs. And you might be sitting out there thinking, all right, listen, you know, doesn't the shepherd still have 99 out of 100? I mean, isn't that pretty good? And sheep, they breed quickly. You can replace that sheep, no problem. And this might be the view of a, of a hireling or maybe an outsider looking in, but not of a true shepherd. For a true shepherd, 99 is not good enough. It's kind of like that ultra-driven student in school that, that we all went to school with that could not stand anything less than 100%. You know what I'm talking about? 99 wasn't going to cut it. You could look at me and say, listen, you, got, you still got a 99 on the t Yeah, but it wasn't 100, and, and they're all just kind of worked up. This is kind of how God is with the one that's not in the fold. For a true shepherd, 